save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Friday, January 14th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we have got some things to discuss today revolving around the NFL and college football, etc. Obviously, no major breaking news, nothing like that. But it is uh, it is time to talk about off-season things, coaching carousel, etc. The NFL coaching carousel, there are seven open jobs uh, eight now, uh, because David Culley has been fired from the Texans just within the last thirty minutes or so of us recording this. But uh, but we uh, have... I missed <clears throat> I missed one then. I counted. I thought I counted seven with Culley. Uh, Raiders, Broncos, Dolphins, Vikings, Bears, Giants, uh, Jaguars, and Texans. So that'd be okay. eight. I don't. I don't know how I missed them because I went. I went division by division. So the, I, I must have I must have forgotten the division after I'd already counted it. So. The uh, the Raiders, I mean, has been open for a long time. I, maybe maybe people aren't thinking too much about that one. Um, oh well, that, yeah, I guess he's got an interim tag. I guess there's a, there's a lot of people that that have a feeling that if he wins a playoff game, will they keep him? That might be why I didn't count the Raiders. That's, that's a probably. that's an interesting interesting question. And you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about that before we do rundowns, anything like that. Uh, Coach and Carousel, of course, rolling right along. Black Monday was uh, eventful for the NFL. And then, of course, it extended into Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, hell, it and started Thursday. Sunday. I mean, yeah, it started on Sunday because there were games on Saturday. But, yeah, let's, let's read this list again. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, of course, got rid of Mike Zimmer. Uh, the Chicago Bears got rid of uh, Matt Nagy and just a whole lot of people inside their organization. The New York Giants, Dave Gettleman, retired. And then the next day, they fired Joe Judge. The Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, has been open for a little while. And the Houston Texans fired David Culley on Thursday afternoon. That one is... Uh, let, let's start off with the most surprising. Which one seemed to be the most surprising one to you? Oh, the most surprising one of all, and, and it's not even close, is the Dolphins. Yeah, like, I, I have I no idea. That that has to be a situation where they already know who they want to be their next coach. Or you you cannot fire Flores, and you're just going to do a uh, just a coaching search. 
Like you have to already have a candidate basically in your pocket. Or, I, if they fire Flores and they don't have a candidate in their pocket, then then I think that is a that is a gross gross mistake. Now this could be a Jim Harbaugh San Francisco 49ers thing, where you know they moved on from Harbaugh because the the owner and Harbaugh just didn't get along, and it was pretty open that Flores and the GM didn't get along. Yes, so that's, if the I, I've job read. Is open in Miami or not? Yeah, or if he's still there. I've so. I've read a lot of different things that he basically just lost a political battle, right? Uh, yeah, he, I, I he did think, not. I do think that's it. Yeah, he did not want Deshaun Watson, and basically everybody else did, which was a little strange, I guess. Uh, and maybe not strange, just a difference of opinion on on personnel, I guess. Uh, but that was a major major line to cross. And, you know, I, it was definitely surprising to me because the Dolphins appeared to be headed in the correct direction. Uh, the second most surprising... Well, I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They missed the playoffs this year. I don't know. And with an extra playoff spot. So I don't, I don't know if that's the right direction. You well, know, true. They, 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 did go, they did go backwards. And, they, they did. You know, they did. They, they went from 10 wins to 9 wins, and that was with an extra game. Um, with an extra game, yeah. Yeah, that that does. I mean, that's that's one thing. Uh, they still ended up with a winning record. I mean, it, that team had been really bad for so long before they brought him in there. Eh, I mean, it, I guess I could I could understand it. The other ones, obviously, the Raiders. We understand what happened with John Gruden early in the season. The Broncos, Vic Fangio, and that one they just could never get the offense working right. Uh, yeah, I, you know, this is one of those things that we're friends with Big Sam. At, uh, at at Northwestern or the, the, wait, the Westlot Pirates, Northwestern, the Westlot Pirates guys, um, and he's a big Broncos fan. And you know, in our group text that we've got that we talk all the time on, you know, I was, you know, before the season ended, I, you know, I, I think that team played really hard for for Vic, and and they fought really hard. That defense is really. I think that talent, that roster is unbelievable. I without a quarterback, they un without question, have the worst quarterback play, which is wild. Out of all these teams, they're, they're down there with the, with the Houston Texans and the, uh, and the New York Giants as worst quarterback play. But they got so much more out of their team than those other teams. I, I was shocked that he got let go because I don't, I don't think he was the problem. And maybe it's, you know, they didn't like his coaching hires, but he had nothing to do with, with bringing in you know, Teddy and Drew. No, like, I agreed on that. Uh, you know, I, I do wonder. He, he definitely wasn't a personnel guy. No, no, I do wonder if part of this had to do with uh, the the ownership situation that's going on in Denver, right? So that. But one, I can't imagine. So, uh, in-house football guys are going to make this hire, not the new owners, because we won't even know who the new owners are until after this hire's done. So how will how will that help or hurt the situation? Wouldn't keeping a guy on be better than bringing on a new guy with a new contract? Possibly. I think if you want to get in, you know, especially when you're coming in to own an NFL team, you may kind of want your own dude. I mean, but, but they're not going to get the pick. You're not, you're not hearing me, Gary. They're not going to get to pick their own dude because there's multiple ownership groups out there and we won't have a new owner until after this hire is made. 
Right, but it, it, whoever the owner is going to be, like, it, well, okay, I, I see where you're going with this. All right, if That's you it. want to pick your own guy, I was going to say Vic because Vic's contract is easier to get rid of because it will be almost over anyway. Right now, True. now if you want to hire your own guy, you're going to have to fire somebody who's on a one year like who, who's one year into his new deal. Basically, a uh, a David Cully situation, Steve Wilkes. All yeah, that kind of I mean, stuff. this is so that doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I get that. Uh, yeah, it is a little strange. I, my thought process was maybe they already know who's going to be the next owner, um, and that next owner is going to pick who the coach is, even though he's not technically in yet, right? Man, if they if they already know they're keeping that so tight lip, and and the other ownership groups don't believe they're out of it. There's basically two groups of people: the Manning. I've put together a group, and uh, Elway has put together a group to to try them and buy them. I, and right now, I would assume if we knew one of them has already basically knows they're going to get it, the other one knows they got to know they're they're out of it, and and that information yeah. would get leaked out, not necessarily by the the one that's getting the team. Like there would be no benefit of not leaking who's going to buy them, right? True. True. Like it doesn't, you know, you're not hiding who you're drafting first. Like it doesn't matter which one of these groups gets the team. Like it doesn't, you know. So there's no benefit in hiding that information. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a. Sam thought the same thing. Then when they fired him, you know, Sam Sam's more plugged into the Broncos than I am, obviously. And he he said that the the football operations people are continuing to they're going to run the coaching search. They're going to run the draft prep. Like, every, the the personnel involved in choosing personnel are going to operate as if it doesn't matter who the owner is. We have full control. We're working from a budget, and we know what we can do and what we can't do. Um, and 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 I, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing, but once again, I would have, A, I would have given Vic another shot just because of how hard the team fought for him and how well that team played in spite of having – pretty mediocre to terrible quarterback play all year long. I do think that's a team that's a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. And and maybe that's an exaggeration, but I think they really are a good quarterback away from being real, real good. And I'm not even I don't even think they have to get like an Aaron Rodgers type. Of course if they got Rodgers, Jesus, I would probably make them the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl. I think that roster is loaded. Yeah, I mean it definitely is loaded. I I got so many questions, right? Like, do they do they fire Fangio to bring in somebody that might be a little sexier? Does that do anything for the sale of the team? Um, no, but I don't no, even know that it does. Head, I, like, I don't think the head coach would change the value the evaluation of the team at all. I, I would be shocked if that would have any any mark. You know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the appraisal and the evaluation of the team has already been set. Like like unless they unloaded a shitload of contracts. For salary purposes, I don't think the evaluation of the team would change at all. Not one bit. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, do we have any idea about the Raiders situation? Obviously, Harbaugh was the big rumor for a while. Reports out today that it is more likely than not that he is going to stay at Michigan. Uh, any thoughts on, I mean, obviously, if they win a playoff game, basically this is just on hold until, you know, after next week, right? Yeah, it, it is. Um, 
I, I would have no information on that. And I, you know, I think that's another good job. I mean, really good job. I don't think that that roster is great, but it's not terrible. I mean, you know, there's a couple, there's three of these jobs that are god awful, and I wouldn't want them at all. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, let's think, talk. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. They, uh, they cleared house, and it, it makes sense. Obviously, when you've been around for a long time, uh, they had a lot of success with Mike Zimmer. But, you know, it might have been time for a new voice, et cetera. They, they played well at times. It is crazy that they were so good with Case Keenum at quarterback. And they bring in Kirk Cousins and never get close to what they were when they had Case Keenum. I, you know, I, I do wonder what the next step is for them. There's obviously a lot of rumors. And, you know, one of the biggest rumors, we're, we're going to hold off on having this full discussion, but... It's Lane Kiffin. So they are not, you know, too nervous about the college coach coming in, possibly. Uh, but there's a lot of people that I think would really like the Vikings job. You uh, you think anything, you know, great about this? Uh, you know, roster looks okay. But um, what are your thoughts on the Vikings? No, I, I think the Vikings are one of the better jobs. I, you know, I would, I think I would take the Vikings job second to the Broncos job out of all those. And jobs available. I mean, I really do. I think I think that's the second best job. You got facilities, so probably the best facilities out of all the open jobs, um, and 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 like the the medical staff and the science that they are using um, for for getting guys healthy and the training facilities and and all of like the technology that goes into that has kind of been put out that they are number one in the in the league. Um, with all of that stuff. So you've got an owner that's putting a lot of money into uh, the science, basically, of keeping players' bodies healthy. Uh, I think I think it's a big deal and, uh, and, and probably a cool thing. Um, uh, and, and I think they've got talent. I think they've got some good young talent, too. And uh, so, you know, that's a team that I, I think needs a leader. I think they need an overall. Uh, I definitely think, you know, Cousins has got a ceiling, and I think we've seen a ceiling. And if you're, uh, you know, a first coach or a college coach coming into the game or whatever, um, it's probably Cousins you could do a lot worse than because he also has a floor, and you're going to be able to be, you know, capable and competent, but you're not going to be great. And so, um, you know, it, it'll it'll keep you from from looking embarrassing, I think. To, to start the year off, but it, but you know the idea of you being amazing, uh, I, I think is is not there. Yeah, it's not there exactly. with Kirk Cousins. Um, I mean, unless somebody, unless if Lane or somebody like that could come in and and show us some dynamic features in Cousins' game or build a game plan around what he can do and what he can't do, um, you take out and, uh, and and we see something new from from Cousins. I then then man that that guy's worth every penny you pay. Him. Yeah, because, no, it's a, he's got you know, an arm. He, he's had the Shanahan. He's had you know uh, several different uh, well-known, well-established offensive coaches throughout the league throughout his tenure, and none of them have gotten anything great out of him. Yeah, they just they, they can't seem to uh, to pull it out of him for whatever reason. So uh, the Chicago Bears, obviously, it's you know. It's nice to see like a Justin Fields on your roster, somebody that you can develop, you can turn him into whatever you want to. Um, 
he has the capability of being a superstar in this league, but you're going to need somebody in there to develop. I would imagine that they go offense this go-round, but, I mean, the Bears have done crazy things, right? Maybe you bring in a defensive guy that has connections with somebody that, that can call plays, right? I, I think this one's attractive. I don't know how attractive, though. Uh, all the Ryan Day rumors will not stop. I, I will go on to tell you, I don't think he's going. He is overhauling uh, the defensive side of the ball at Ohio State right now. His agent very likely may end up being, what, the GM or the VP or whatever they said he is, Trace Armstrong. Um, I mean, if that happens, then then maybe. I guess all bets are off. But, I mean, outside of that, like, you know, I, I think the Bears had had wanted to talk to Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator at the Bills. I I don't know who to even look at or or what uh, their best option may be. What uh what are your thoughts on that one? I, I, this organization seems like one that will probably hire. And maybe I might be wrong on this. Uh, I could see because they are old school. They're ran by a very old family um, that's not heavily involved in the football operations. I could see them hiring a GM uh, and, and like a football ops person before they hire the head coach and let that person hire their head coach. Uh, Fields, you use a lot of words talking positive about Fields, but all of them have to do with possibility. Okay. He has right. the possibility of being a superstar. He, he also has the probability of being a big star. Like, he really struggled with the of the NFL game in a lot of these games. Now, it's impossible to grade him with a lot of that roster offensively and with the coaching staff that he had to learn under. So, I'm I'm not holding year one under him at all by any like, like, I won't judge him at all using this year, okay? It just won't happen. Next year, uh, it's going to matter. And it doesn't matter who his coach is, he has to show massive improvement. If he has anything close to what might be considered a sophomore slump, considering how tough he, it was, you know, it, uh, to get where he's at now, and how I guess mediocre to bad he was this year, being a rookie, which is fine. That's what we expected. None of the rookies are break this year, by the way. So it, it's not like he's ahead of or behind anybody in front of him. But uh, he, he, I'm not ready to call him a superstar yet. There's a world where he can't keep up with the game. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're not wrong about that. The New York Giants, that was a recent one. Uh, basically, since we got off the air the last go-round, that's when they decided to fire him. It's like they waited for all of the Black Monday stuff to uh, to be done, you know, all the firings on, set on uh, uh, Sunday and Monday, and let Gettleman retire, and then they said, ah, yeah, we're uh, we're also letting this guy go. Uh, Judge is, is kind of nuts, man. <laughs> it's... It is something yeah. when when your choices at Mississippi State were Joe Judge and Mike Leach, and you chose Mike Leach and chose the more sane one. I think. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I um, I don't understand. Judge was given like a vote of confidence around week eight, right? Yeah, and then after he was given the vote of confidence, he a didn't win another game, and b said and did some of the most insane shit I've ever seen from a head coach in my life. I I didn't understand 
any of it. I thought this guy was not just insane. I think he torpedoed his ability to ever get another head coaching job, maybe even at the college level. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it, it's like, really nuts. There's plenty of there's plenty of head coaches that fail their first time around and then get another shot and go on to be like stable, good coaches, right? Like that happens all the time in the NFL. Yeah. This one, I don't see this being his story. I don't see anybody ever calling him again. Well, ever. I do think uh, you, you look at the situation that he was in, like I don't know that many people even thought that he was a candidate for a head coaching job. Like, I mean, no, it, it, uh, no. it's weird yeah. that he even got hired in the first place. No, I completely agree. We talked about this when he got hired. It, this is just we want somebody from the Belichick tree, but we don't care if they're a good coach. This guy was the wide receivers coach for the Patriots for like four years. If you go look at those four years, that is the worst wide receiving core we have ever seen statistically on any roster in the NFL ever, maybe. Just hot garbage. Like, you literally just said, I'll take anybody who's learned from Bill. This was back in the day when we were just hiring anybody who just, you know, washed Sean McVay's jockstrap. Like, like if you're close enough to get his musk on you, we'll hire you, right? Well, here's here's like, the deal. He, that's he all was, they did. Was this, this, guy, this guy knew who Bill Belichick was and had access to his phone number, and so we're yeah. going gonna, gonna to hire him. He, he was the wide receivers coach only in 2019. He was the oh, special. Well, he was, that was he, dark. yeah. He was a special teams coordinator in 2015 through 2018, and then was the special teams coordinator and wide receivers coach in 2019. Okay. And then he well, got the Giants right. job. So special teams coordinator with the Patriots probably the gig. Yeah, um, I mean that makes sense. They always end up having. He, he he was just here's the thing. That roster, I think, is terrible. I think that roster is really bad. I think Gettleman completely handcuffed and hamstring that that franchise for for at least three or four more years um, to, to clear that out and to turn that roster over. And the the biggest problem is is I don't I don't care about the winning and losing the judge because I think that roster was awful. So that's not what I hold against judge. It's the things you say and do publicly. Like, I want no part of somebody who's not willing to take personal accountability and responsibility. When your team is awful and you step to the podium and start talking about how you know, it doesn't suck here. There are guys that left here last year that wish they were back. And I'm and, and I'm thinking, no, they don't. Like, you just went to the podium and you told a lie. You told a lie and everybody knows you lied. And you know that everybody knows you're telling a lie. But you don't care? No, 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 no. I can never be in a room with that person. Ever. And, and take them serious. Yeah. They can never be called a leader the rest of their life. You are now reserved to being a wide receiver's coach the rest of your life. If you want to stay in football, you get to pick a position coach, and you get to have somebody over you hold your hand. You can't be a coordinator. You can't be you. You can't run anything because you can't be trusted to take responsibility for anything. Oh, I mean, look at who he brought in as his offensive coordinator. Uh, look at the staff that he hired. I mean, it, oh no, yeah, none of it made sense, right? No, yeah, he brought in Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens. Two of the worst offensive minds I've ever seen in the NFL. And he says, we're going to bring these two guys in. What? Why? <laughs> what is on their resume that says they, they deserve these things? I want to see the offense that Jason Garrett designed and built to, 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 to strategize and to plan 
over the last decade of his career. You know what's nuts, by the way? They uh, they fired Jason Garrett in the middle of the year, and the offense actually got worse. Actually, statistically got worse the rest of the year. Like, I, I don't even know how that's possible. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... It's interesting. Uh, we got we got two more to hit here. The uh, the Jaguars. Uh, they are interviewing Bill O'Brien, uh, or maybe already have. Who knows? But uh, I mean, that's I would say it's a it's a really bad job. But there oh, yeah. is there is some talent down there. Like if if you can get everything figured out on the operation side, then. Yeah, that could be okay. You've already got a little bit of a, a decent, you know, young talent roster that you might could do something with. Uh, right. But that's depending on whether or not you can turn Trevor Lawrence into something, you know, et cetera. And everybody thinks he's the second coming, but uh, much like Justin Fields, man, you don't get him developed right. Uh, he doesn't catch up to the speed but of the game. That, that could be a problem. If you, if you make the right hire, you've got at least somebody you can build around. Like, I don't hate this job. I would put this job very comparable to the Bears job. Very comparable. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's significantly below uh, the, the the Broncos and the, and the Vikings job, but it's above some of the others. What a, like, I got the Dolphins job better than this job. Oh, yeah. But, oh, but not by a lot. But not by a lot. The I, I feel like there's more structure with the Dolphins. Um but at the same time, Man, I, mean, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that. Yeah. I need to know. I need to know. You know. I don't know that. I, I just don't. I think. I think they got some toys. I think they got some splash names and some talent. But I don't. I don't know how good that roster is from top to bottom. R- remember that team was garbage, and Flores came in and brought a culture. Well, he's gone. That which which tells me this. I guarantee you that culture is gone too. Yeah, probably so. so. Probably so. Therein lies the problem. Is I think. That team won off of toughness and physical and, and a style of play and a mentality, and I think all of that was Brian. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I do not disagree with you. Uh, so I don't. That's why I said I don't know that this job is a whole lot better than the Bears' job or the or the or the Jaguars' job. I would kind of clump those three in a tier. The Houston Texans fired David Culley. He was a Ravens assistant coach for a. I mean, just, he had been around the league for what three decades. I mean, just forever. Yep. And you know, it was a it was a bit of a shocking hire. And there were people that were inside the organization, uh, people that are on the roster that were irritated that they were not talked to about this hire. Do you think that this was always just supposed to be like a holdover coach? Like that's why they brought him in? No, I don't know that you can do that. Um, I, I honestly think this is just a front office that doesn't know what they're doing. They're very inexperienced. You know, it, it, in their GM, the president of football operations, he, he was like the, the, the team chaplain for the Patriots. Like, that guy didn't really have much personnel decision-making ability at all. And everybody in New England was like, you you want who? What? Like, all right. Um, I, I, I just think this front office doesn't know what they're doing. This is the worst job. And it's because, A, you've got an inexperienced front office that has no clue. You have a, a roster that has little to no talent. Uh, if I needed a special teams coordinator, if I was building a staff, uh, uh, Cully would be one of the first names I would call. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. his players, you can say what you want. A lot of people might have been upset that they weren't involved in hiring of him. 
But when you get to hear him talk to those players and listen, man, I, I think his players worshipped him. Oh, and, yeah, and that's Protection's a guy fault. that I would want. Yeah. Like, like I would, I would want him as like a special teams coordinator because that coordinator touches and coaches almost every player on the roster, and and that I want that guy being involved in the lives and and communication with every player on the roster. I can get him involved in. Um, I that that that, that he would be a, a, one of the first calls I'd make the second he got fired. Uh, the GM of the Texans is Nick Casario. Um, yeah. He uh, he was director of player personnel at the uh, at the Patriots. So no, uh, but the, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, he was he, he, that's a title. He was like the morality teacher. He was he was the equivalency of the chap. No, no, no. Uh, you're talking about the uh, it's Jack Easterby who is the executive vice president of football operations. He, oh, that's it. Okay, yeah, that's him. He was the Patriots yeah. character coach from 2013 that's through it. 2018. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh, That's the definition of the the chaplain now because they yes. they're not really religious anymore. Yeah, um, and then he was the chaplain for the Chiefs in 2011, 2012. Uh, executive vice president of team development in 2019, and is now the executive vice president of football ops. So that's uh, that's what the Texans are are dealing with. But yeah, that that one's going to be an interesting one because I I think there's more uh, there's more stuff going on. With that, with that team, like I just I, well, I don't... the biggest thing is is like so. I remember the Easterby hire, um, not Easterby, uh, 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 Casario. Yeah. I, I remember the Casario hire. Um, like when you're getting personnel people from the Patriots, understand that all these guys just have a title, but they might as well just be scouts. Yeah. That is that is the one organization where one man runs everything, and. And like, like you, like a lot of people wear a lot of hats, and a lot of people do a lot of things. But, but like the director of player personnel at most, uni- like uh, not university uh, organizations, is is like a super important job. Yeah, that guy, that guy's like the head scout for the Patriots here because Bill's Bill's doing eighty percent of what those guys do at other places. He just did. No, no other head coach is as hands on as Bill. And no one else has the much say as Bill, so you you just you just hired a head scout, and that that's kind of the list of what you did. Yeah, yeah, no, that that does make sense. I don't know, I don't even know where Houston goes from here. Um, you know, I hiring Cully last season, and they were, I mean, they waited forever to make that hire. Do yep. they wait again? I mean, it just it, it seems like it'll it'll take a while to figure out exactly what it is that they want to do here. Um, let me go on and do the rundown right quick, and then I want to talk about uh, a couple of rumors, a couple of things that are that are coming out. Uh, rundown, of course, go over to winningcureseverything.com. That is the website. You can find everything you need to know about us over there. All the segments, all the podcasts, all the video, whatever is right there where you can follow us on social media. All that good stuff is right there. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, do so, please, and leave a nice five-star review. You can do that now at Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so go ahead and do that. Uh, if you're watching the YouTube video, of course, go ahead and click the like button for us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We are almost to 5,500 subscribers, and uh, and that is the next goal, of course. After that, it'll be 6,000. We just 500 at a time, knock this thing out. You know how it goes. So we certainly appreciate all of you guys for doing that. Jump into the chat. Jump into the comments. We would love to hear from you. Uh, along with that, 
The show is brought to you by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book, BetUS, where the game begins. Tons of great deals, tons of great bonuses right now. Make sure that you get signed up. The NFL playoffs, of course, coming up this weekend. Go ahead and get signed up over there. There's a link in the description. You can click that, and it will take you directly to it. Or just go to your browser, BetUS.com, where the game begins. I host the college football show for BetUS. You can click the link in the description for that as well. There is a podcast form and a YouTube form. Go ahead and check it out. We will be doing that every Wednesday through the offseason, even though, of course, you all know in college football there is really no offseason. It just continues on and on, especially with the transfer portal and coaching changes and spring ball is coming up in about a month and a half, blah, 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 blah. You guys know what's going on. So uh, go ahead and check out the BetUS College Football Show. Chris, the... The most interesting rumor to me right now is Lane Kiffin to the Minnesota Vikings, but his name has also been attached to multiple other NFL jobs. Uh, Obviously, the name of the game in the NFL right now is offense. You've got a ton of young quarterbacks. You've got teams that just cannot score for whatever reason. And you and I both know that you need to be able to score in the NFL. You need to be able to put up points in order to win, in order to make it to the playoffs, etc. The game has changed. It's why Cliff Kingsbury was hired. It's why everybody from the Sean McVay tree was brought in. And everybody that was involved with Sean McVay has had some success to this point. There are other guys that understand offense outside of the Sean McVay tree. Lane Kiffin happens to be one of them. Obviously, the first go-round with him with the Raiders did not go as planned, but it was incredibly early in his career. It was his first well, yeah, was ever. A, yeah, I mean, he was, he was in his 20s. It was his first ever head coaching job. Yeah, he was, um, he's the youngest head coach in the history of, of football. Yes. So, uh, this is not a, you know, rumor, you know, he might leave Ole Miss. Da, da, da. If, if he were to be offered an NFL job, uh, he will leave Ole Miss. If he had been offered the Miami Hurricanes job, he would leave Ole Miss. Like, there are places. Ole Miss is a good job. I don't think that's, that's where right. he wants to be. I, I could see him with the Dolphins. Most certainly could see him with the Dolphins. He loves Miami. He loves South Florida. Uh, but I could see him with the I could see him in a lot of different places. I think he would like to be back in the NFL. Would this work a second go-round? Uh, yeah, I think he's a better coach. I'd, I'd have to see the staff that he builds you know, around him. That's the most important part of any of these things is no one person can do it by themselves. You just can't. You have to have – this is why I, I don't know if the Dolphins fired their GM or if they're they're keeping him and it was a political thing between him and Brian or if they just got rid of both of them. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, you know, you've got to have somebody who can handle personnel. You've got to have somebody who can bring in a culture and and Lane's not a big culture guy. That's that's why you know he's an X's and O's guy. He's an architect. Okay, and it's fine. Somebody's got to be the culture guy. Okay, somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to bring a defense in the NFL. This is not college football. You can't win on one side of the ball. Like these are things that Lane would have to do and hand over the reins to those things. Are those people available? Sure. But there's a lot of them. There's a hell of a resume for 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 defensive coordinators right now and uh, uh, guys out there and, and, and good culture guys that you can bring in. A lot of those guys are available. Um, so, you know, will he be good or not is relative to what job he takes, 
what the personnel looks like because that's just so much of winning, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I wonder – I really wonder about how his Twitter stuff, all of his trolling, et cetera, how will that play with – because this guy is not that much older than than some of these players, right? He is he's older. Sean McVay is younger than most of his players, right? Right. So I, I when he first got the head coaching job, he was substantially younger than most of his players, right? I, I think the game has changed, Gary. I don't think that matters anymore. We have female head coaches now, or not head coaches, female uh, position coaches now, and, and other females uh, on the thing. You have a lot of young guys now. The game has become so much analytical. I think these players just want anyone who's going to come in to make them better. I don't think the trolling matters. I don't think if you're an owner, you don't give a shit. Can you come in and win? Be yourself. Be, here's the thing. If he tries to come in and become corporate America, okay, and all primp and proper, then now he's being fake. The players know that. You can smell fake on people all day long. All, all I'd want you to do is come in and be yourself. That's it. And win football games. Hey, out of all That's these it. jobs, which one would be most likely to let him just just do his thing? Well, I don't. I mean, here's the thing: if you hire him, you have to let any of them that hire him have to let him do his own thing. Like, if okay. you're going to hire him and then give him a laundry list of shit that he's got to do, so if you're the New York Yankees and say we want you to come play here, but you got to shave your beard, you got to cut your hair, you got to dress like this, you got to like the game has changed, man. You you can't hire a guy like Lane, and then say, I want you, but I want you to be something else. So so that's that's an irrelevant question of, of who's most likely. The person that offers him the job is most likely to be the one to do that. Uh, that makes sense. Answer. Makes sense. If anybody does, of course. That's him being uh, listed along, uh, uh, you know, as part of this whole thing really kind of shocked me uh, with the way that things had gone before and whatnot. But uh, bottom line is, if you can win... If you can coach offense, there's going to be a place for you at, at a lot of these, a lot of these schools, a lot of these organizations. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you the the offensive coaching in the NFL ain't great right now. It, it just it's just not agreed. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, of coaches in in the college game that offensive minded are are more creative and and just they're more sound fundamentally from the offensive side of the ball uh, than than a lot a lot of the NFL coaches. That makes sense. I do wonder this about Lane Kiffin. I don't know that he is uh, as much of an authoritarian, I think, as Nick Saban and some of those guys. Moving to the NFL where you are maybe maybe not even as involved as you are involved as you are as a college coach uh, could actually be better for him where he can just focus more on football because at that point you got a GM, you got all this kind of stuff. You don't have to focus on recruiting and building your recruiting board and all that, which we know he's good at that. Uh, I, I do wonder. I do wonder. This, this is going to be interesting to see exactly what happens uh, with him. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There's a, a tweet that went out from Bruce Feldman on 
January the 13th, early, early on. Uh, I say early, a, a little before lunchtime. And there, he is saying a couple of potential staff moves to keep an eye on at Georgia, and that is uh, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, maybe returning to the NFL, and the defensive backs coach, uh, Jamil Aday, also could be moving on per sources. You find it shocking that that Munkin might be might be headed back to uh, to the NFL? No, I don't think that's shocking at all. You win a national title, see what happens. Yeah, I yeah, that, you know what? That does make sense. I mean, you got him to the mountaintop. Uh, you you still have not gotten to run the offense that you really wanted to, because uh, we saw what he was able to do uh, with the Browns and the Bucks, and and he was the the head coach at uh, good gracious. Um, was it Southern Miss? I think it was Southern Miss. Uh, he he's been all over the place, you know. I mean, he's fifty five years old. Um, yeah, he was head coach at Southern Miss. He was an offense coordinator at Oklahoma State. Uh, OC for the Bucks, OC for the Browns, and then went back to Georgia. I uh, I am I am curious. What do you think he put anything on film at Georgia that would help get him back into the NFL? Well, based not... on this is the problem, Jerry. You're looking six inches in front of your face. Look right. at his resume. What is he capable of doing? Did he build an offense around the talent that he had at Georgia that was successful? Most yes certainly. Yeah. Okay. Then, then that's, that's his job, okay? If you're giving Aaron Rodgers, then, then you can build one offense. If you're giving Cam Newton today, you've got to build a different one. All right? And the capability is, is we've seen Todd Munkin's resume when, he, when he's had multiple different styles of talent. And he's, he's been really good with all of them. You know, he's been some level of success with most of them. So that's what you – it's not what did he do this year, okay? Agreed. Look, he took a walk-on quarterback, and he was able to figure out what this kid could do and what he couldn't do. And he put game plans together week in and week out. And sometimes he had to do more than others. Now, you, you got that right. You've got that right. Uh, I think – I think even as a coordinator in the NFL over – because there was talk about him possibly being up for some head coaching jobs in, in college football. Uh, what he did at Southern Miss, by the way, uh, they were they had Ellis Johnson in 2012, and they went 0-12. So then he came in, they went 1-11, 3-9. Then he went 9-5 and and actually won Conference USA. And – from there, uh, he took the OC job with the Buccaneers under, I believe it was Dirk Cutter at that point. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, I think some coaches just like the NFL more. Like, whether it's, you know, over being a head coach even in college football, I think we've talked about this a lot. Like, the NFL game, you only really have to focus on football, you know? Yeah. You don't, you're not worried about the NCAA. You're not worried about transfers. You're not worried about recruiting. You're not worried about the feelings of an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old. You don't care about any of that stuff. You you build a relationship with the players that you've got, and um, you develop them and, and, and work your system, you know, around what their skills and abilities are. Let's move on to UCLA right quick. UCLA is now in a weird position. They, there's, of course, talk that they are likely going to give a contract extension to Chip Kelly sometime uh, this week, early next week. So by the time you listen to this, there could be reports that, that they've 
come to an agreement or whatever. But they could also fire him for free if they wanted to. Uh, there's no buyout anymore. Like he's he's got one year left on his contract, but the buyout is gone. They wouldn't even owe him for next year if he doesn't work. It's a strange situation for a college coach to be in where you've seen slight improvement, slight improvement, and then this year they end up, you know, going eight and four, skip the bowl game because, you know, at the last minute that was a weird situation uh, with whatever, the Holiday Bowl or whatever it was. Um, What, like, I don't even know what to make of this. You know, are they more likely to extend him or are they more likely to, to fire him and maybe start over? I think it would be extend him, but... What would be the pros and cons for each? Well, the, the, there is no pro to firing him at all unless you've got somebody in the bag ready to go. Like, that's just – that would be ridiculous to me. Like, you know, you're you're competitive right now in the Pac-12, but if you fire him and start over, you, you are going straight to the bottom. The so, part of the, part of the issue, so they're bringing Dorian Thompson Robinson back, right? And there was all this right. talk. DTR's that, coming back. Yeah, there, there was all this talk that Caleb Williams might be interested in coming to UCLA. But as soon as DTR announced that he was coming back, I, I think we can kind of put that to bed. I don't think Caleb Williams That's is right. coming, you know, there. Uh, I do wonder if <laughs> I wonder about um, whether or not Chip Kelly is going to fall back in the Pac-12 when DTR leaves, right? And have they really developed anybody behind him? You know, this year was filled with a bunch of uh, not just transfers. They, they had some good transfers in there, but it was a lot of upperclassmen this year. Uh, next year, you know, going to fall back a little bit as far as the, uh, the talent and the upperclassmen go. Uh, how well have they developed? And I, I don't think that you can just leave a coach hanging on a one-year deal, right? And, I mean, recruiting is already not great at UCLA. I, it's strange that it has gotten to this point where they have not come to terms on anything yet. If nothing comes out this week and they just let him coach on this deal, uh, what do you think the outcome is Is from there? Well, I think, hey, I think Chip Kelly's a, a, a substantially above-average coach. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is why I say you can't fire him unless you have, unless you have a replacement ready to go. Like if you know who you want to, to, to bring in, you know that would that would be career suicide. I think. Um, I I I'm not worried about. Hey, I, I think he has no problems developing quarterbacks. Like, do we know who's on the roster behind DTR? Do we know how good they are? No, we don't know the answer to any of that. So you're making a lot of assumptions about kids. We don't have any clue about. Also, we live in a world of the transfer portal. So, like, you could go – you could have no quarterback at all and then and then have a top five quarterback in college football the next day. Okay? That, that's just the game today. All right? So, you know, DTR could play this year, and then next year they just get a top ten quarterback to transfer to. Yeah, it's entirely possible. The, uh, the backup is Ethan Garbers, by the way. He's a redshirt freshman. It's uh... – Chase Garbers from Cal, it's his little brother. So, and he was he was a pretty big recruit, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he may have just been like a four star, but uh, but still, like good. But hey, yeah. hey, you just you just said that like it was that. Oh, he just might have just been a four star. I'm sorry. How many five star quarterbacks are in are, are every year coming to the college football? 
Uh, let's see. He well, I mean, there's there's quite a few four stars. Uh, nationally, uh, how many five stars? Is that what I said? Oh, how, how many, many five, five stars? stars? Uh, anywhere from thirty to thirty-five. Okay, they yeah. got to get spread out across a hundred and thirty teams, right? Yes. Not not everybody's gonna have a five-star quarterback, Gary. Like, you, you shit on that like it was nothing. Like, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. Hold on, they hold just on. got this kid. That's a four star. But so, we've also uh, we've mean, also seen a lot of five stars that have uh, that have completely busted, right? Uh, he is. Well, yeah, that's, you're making my point <laughs> even harder. <laughs> you're making what you yeah. said even more ridiculous. Okay, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. He uh, nationally as a recruit, he was the number one twenty one overall player, uh, number four pro style quarterback, number twelve uh, prospect in no number twelve quarterback in California. And we have no idea how he's been developed. We have no idea what his abilities are because he hasn't really touched the field, right? Correct. Okay. All right. So, so let let let's hold off on saying Chip's done nothing to to you know develop or prepare you know for life without DPR. Like we we just don't know the answer to that. Yeah. No. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. So, uh, so I guess back to the question at hand. And that's what you know. What happens with Chip Kelly? Do you you fully expect Surely an they extension? Extend right? Surely and, they extend him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you can recruit. I don't know how you can really do much of anything on a one year deal uh, in college. Like in the NFL, totally makes sense because that that's money. That's whatever else. And yeah, at UCLA, you can come up with NIL deals and stuff like that. But guys still want to know who their coach is going to be. And well, not with the transfer portal. It doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe not. You go there, you play while they got Chip, and if they lose Chip, uh, uh, you know, go somewhere else. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, that kind of leads us to, we talked about quarterbacks, let's talk about something else. What is going on with Caleb Williams? Now, in the chat today, I didn't get to respond to it, uh, but I, I did see, you know, everybody was trying to figure out why has Caleb Williams not I brought this announced. question up. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one that asked this question. Uh, I I don't have an answer for this. Uh, I I think I think him going to USC is not the lock of the year that everyone just assumed was going to happen. And the reason I think that is because if he was going to USC, we would have known the second Lincoln Riley took the damn job. This would not have. I mean, he entered the transfer portal what two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, I think it, it's been almost two weeks. Yeah. Okay. So, what are we waiting for? If you already knew the answer to the question, where you're going to go, what is the benefit of holding out on telling everybody? That's uh, that's a good question. So, I, I, I don't think know. the longer it goes, the least likely he's going to USC. It doesn't mean he's not going to go to USC, but I think every day that goes on, I think the reason he hasn't made his decision is because he genuinely is shopping around. He's not just saying, well, I'm going to go play for Lincoln. I think he's genuinely shopping around. He is – so so he went to Oklahoma specifically to play under Lincoln Riley. Uh, That's right. He's from Washington, D.C. Now, right. you look at his recruiting profile and whatnot, he had offers from everybody. I mean, it was just, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, he was high on Alabama. He was high on Clemson. Uh, he was recruited by Brandon Streeter, 
who is now the offensive coordinator for Clemson. Um, you know, like I, looking at at the ones that uh, really he had the the most interest in, the top ones. Uh, Florida was up there at some point, which I, I don't think that that's going to happen now. Uh, Florida yeah, State. I think I think that was the play under Dan. He he obviously wants to go somewhere where he can be developed into a professional quarterback. That's what his dad basically came out and said. We're looking for who can get him ready for the next level. And so, looking at offensive coaches in college football, I don't know that there are a ton. I think I think I know one place that's probably calling him pretty hard. Uh, that'd be Ole Miss. I have an opinion on that. No, no. no. Okay, give me I a... Think a. I think it's a place that a can get him paid right now, mega money, and b has a track record of putting guys in the NFL number one overall. Okay. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. They don't have a great quarterback next year coming in. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. I mean, they, they've got Max Johnson. they got uh, – I, I forget the quarterback's Matt, name this Matt, year. All right, Matt, Matt, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> okay, once again, he would be the best quarterback on that roster and it ain't close. Well, they might think, have recruited one in this unbelievable recruiting class. That guy's going to redshirt. That guy could sit behind Caleb Williams two years, and Caleb could 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 go there, could be unbelievable. They've got unbelievable talent. They've got great facilities. They can get him an NIL deal that probably most other places in the country can't get with the deep pockets of that A&M is throwing around financially right now. And, and I, I just – you're not going real far from Oklahoma, you know. Um, I I just think that is the perfect marriage. I really do. I really, really do. You may have a point there. You may have a point. That's that's very interesting. Um, and they and they put a a quarter a quarterback in the NFL number one overall. Well, and and my God, they put Kellen Mond in as a third rounder. I mean, that's like that honestly. Looking at what Kellen Mond was when he got there, the fact that he turned into a third round draft pick, uh, that was that was pretty interesting. So, yeah, I can uh, I could see that. I don't know yeah. that North Carolina. I have no idea if those like, calls are being made. I have no idea if you know that's something that he is interested in doing. I, I I don't know the answer to any of those things. I'm just telling you that if I was his family, I was him. That meets all the criteria that I'm looking for in a new program. A, they got talent coming out the yin-yang, and they've got an offensive-minded head coach that, um, that I would trust. They've got a history of being good with NFL guys. Like, like this, is, this is hitting everything, and I can realistically have a shot at possibly competing for a national title at A&M. I mean, and bringing yeah, the first this national year. title at A&M. And so yeah, I, I did like, wonder about that because I thought A&M, with all that they were losing on defense and on offense, they lost the defense coordinator, et cetera, their odds to win the national title next year are like plus 2,800. That's it. I, I figured it would be 5,000 or more. Uh, maybe they're playing they, – they've already kind of baked that into the number a little bit. Uh, you, you get somebody like him uh, because I, I honestly think he could be the second-best quarterback in the country next year. Uh, behind Bryce Young, and and he could be better than Bryce Young. I don't know that he's not better than Bryce. Um, I, you know, he didn't have the weapons Bryce had to play with. Uh, but 
you know, neither here nor there. He can do something Bryce can't do, which is he's substantially more mobile than Bryce. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I, you know, once again, I, I have no idea if he's even interested in A&M or A&M's interested in him. I have no inside information. I'm telling you, out of all 130 possible teams that I could go to, if I was him, that meets all the criteria. I'm going to a loaded football team, an absolutely loaded football team with lots of talent. I've got an offensive-minded coach, head coach, that is going to build a system around me that we have seen him be able to build systems around different quarterbacks with different skill sets. And if I'm Caleb Williams, I got to think I'm the most talented quarterback that Jimbo's ever had. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong at all. Uh, Before we get out of here, I want to hit on two different topics. One, the Arizona Wildcats. I I had to bring this up because it just, it kind of shocked me. They are number 17 in the overall recruiting rankings, overall commit rankings for 2022. Uh, That's number one in the Pac-12. I mean, it just blew my mind looking at it. Uh, it's it, number two recruiting class overall, just including high schoolers. But you look at the transfers that they've brought in. They've got Jaden Delora, who is the uh, quarterback from Washington State. They've got Jacob Cowing, who is the it, just ridiculous wide receiver from UTEP. Uh, Hunter Eccles, edge rusher out of USC. They got Anthony Solomon, who's a linebacker from Michigan. Uh, let's Savea. Um, who is a defensive lineman out of UCLA. They got uh, DJ Warnell, the safety out of UCLA. Like, they got dudes, man. They got some some big-time transfers coming in, along with the fact that they've got a really good recruiting class. They're bringing in five, four stars. Like, you don't normally see this out of Arizona. What Jed Fish is doing is pretty awesome. And I don't know that a lot of people expected this. We all kind of laughed at the hire, but... You know, give me give me your thoughts on what Arizona's doing right now. And, and Jed Fish coming from the NFL, uh, he came in, you know, boots on the ground, ready to rock and roll, man. Yeah, uh, I didn't see this. Uh, this caught me completely off guard. Uh, I didn't think it would happen. Um, I'm really curious to to figure out, you know, how is he getting the, the the talent? How's he how's he recruiting the kids? Is this is this people really want to come play for him? Is he that? dynamic of a guy uh is you know that great of a salesman does he have a great that great of a staff is this you know all nil and he's just found some deep pockets in arizona that's tired of being in the toilet of pac-12 like i i i don't know the answer because i didn't perceive the that at all i i do wonder how sustainable it is 13 of his 22 commits this year at recruits coming in are from california so I do wonder if it's sustainable once Lincoln Riley gets things rolling, et cetera. But even still, uh, you're you're looking at four stars and and three stars and whatnot from California, and I mean Lincoln Riley can't take all of them. So he was able to go in and you know get a bunch of uh, you know maybe a bunch of top five hundred guys that you may not have uh, may not have been on USC's radar, but could certainly play, right? That's I, I'm just I'm kind of shocked. Arizona has not really been doing this lately, uh, especially under Kevin Sumlin and whatnot. He, it's almost like they didn't even try uh, for a really long time. But this was uh this was interesting. I mean, they had the number eleven ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12 last year. Now, obviously, that was his first season, 
Uh, Kevin Sumlin's last year, number 11 in the Pac-12. Uh, 2019, they had number 11 in the Pac-12. And, you know, you move back further in 2018, number 11 in the Pac-12. 2017, uh, they were 10th in the Pac-12. I mean, they, they have what not... Ha- what happened to Sumlin? What happened to him? <laughs> I mean, this guy was up for the Cowboys job at one point in time at Texas A&M. I mean, that was, all, that, was, that was all based on Johnny Football, wasn't it? Okay. But my question is this. Was he never a good coach then? Just never. Everything he did was because of one man? No, I, I think what he did at Texas A&M was because of one guy. Uh, he, he was successful at Houston. But remember, he had Cliff Kingsbury with him for a long while. And, and you know, while we don't think that Cliff Kingsbury is a great NFL head coach, uh, he's still got a team in the playoffs. I mean, no, and he's an offensive guy. He's a great offensive mind. He held, I'll tell you this: he's a hell of a better offensive mind than than than, than Sumlin is. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know what Sumlin really is, right? He had he had like, Kingsbury like, with him. Was forever. he never even a good recruiter? Because I worked under the assumption that he was a good recruiter, but maybe that's just A and M. Maybe that's just Houston. Maybe that's the brass that's there has like a has like a program that that recruits well. And Kevin just was just happened to be the head of it, but man, he just got off with this stuff. But he got paid for a long time. He so Kevin Sumlin was at Houston and it, from I think oh eight through two thousand eleven, and his co offensive coordinator for the last two years and his quarterbacks coach was Cliff Kingsbury. His first year at A and M when they had their their best record and when Johnny Manziel just took off. The offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach was Cliff Kingsbury. And then Kingsbury gets the Texas Tech job. Uh, Kevin Sumlin did not have another year like that after Kingsbury left. I'm not going to say that Sumlin's entire career was based on, you know, Kingsbury. But, I mean, it certainly looks like the best years that he had, uh, it certainly helped having Kingsbury there. It seems like it's a combination of Kingsbury and a dynamic quarterback. Because I remember some – I couldn't say the name. I just remember Houston – kind of had a run of pretty dynamic quarterbacks for a while. Oh, yeah, right? they, they certainly did. I mean, Case Keenum was there. So, like that's <laughs> yeah, so, so, so this is this is a common – I mean, this guy just lived off the back of, of, a, of a dynamic, young, hot OC and uh, a dynamic, you know, run of quarterbacks. Yes. And so, and so to get back to the point at hand with what Jed Fish is doing with the Wildcats right now, uh, it's going to take multiple of these kind of classes – but he's kind of showing that he he can do it. So, I mean, this is awesome. This is awesome for them to be able to do that. Uh, to, well, hang to on make now. Place... If you're doing it through the transfer portal, it won't take multiple of those kinds of classes. Well, I mean, Mel Tucker, still... did it. Mel Tucker did it in one offseason with transfers. You hit on some of the right transfers, you're not getting underclassmen that need to be developed. You're getting guys that are ready to come in and play right now that are upperclassmen. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, there's there's a way to get it done. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious to see you know what ends up going on from there. But props to Jed Fish. Props to Jed Fish. Finally, we'll close out with this. Pete Thamel has joined ESPN. He will be their college football insider, much the way that Adrian Wojnarowski is for the NBA, much the way that Adam Schefter is for the NFL. Uh, my question to you: Does it? Does it make a difference if he works at ESPN or at Yahoo, et cetera? Like, he's still going to write. He's still going to do the same thing. Uh, does this give him 
even more access than he already had? What what does this change, you think? Well, nothing. It just means ESPN's getting all this information instead of Yahoo. That's it. Like, it doesn't change anything for Pete. Like, his job isn't better today than it was yesterday. His job is the exact same, and the information fans are getting the exact same. Now, the only difference is, is how much does ESPN put behind the insider paywall? That's that's what you got to wonder. Yeah, yeah, they, they've basically put everything behind a paywall. <laughs> so, everything. It, you know, so for, for fans of what we're allowed to get and what we're not, this could be a bad thing. True. Yeah, there is no paywall with Yahoo. No, Yahoo doesn't have a paywall. You have access to everything. Um, and uh, and I like Pete, and I think he's a hell of a reporter. I, I just don't, you know, I I, I I wonder how much how much of how much of his access are we going to get with ESPN? Because if they put it behind the insider paywall, then then I'm not going to be getting near what I used to. Yeah, no, that does make sense. I'm a, I mean, obviously I'm an ESPN Plus guy, so that that includes ESPN Inside or whatever the hell it is. Um, so it won't change a lot for me. I'm already paying for it, but yeah, I could see that making a difference. They they just want to accumulate as much talent as possible. Uh, my my thought process on this was. Maybe this is good, and they are rededicating resources, reallocating resources, et cetera, to making sure that college football is, you know, their prime thing behind the NFL, right? The NBA was was number two for a long time and may still be. But, you know, the more that they've brought in, they brought in Bill Conley a couple of years ago. Uh, they put him behind a paywall. Same thing with Pete Thamel, I think. They'll bring him in. His stuff will probably be behind the paywall. Uh, I think they're bringing in better guys. Like they're bringing in guys that really know what they're talking about with the sport. Uh, I think it. I think it helps. It, it helps ESPN for and, sure. And, and we and we might be biased on this, but going all in on basketball, I don't think has been very profitable for ESPN. No. Not not the way not the way college football prints money. You got that right. You have so, got that so, right. So reorganizing and saying let's let's put horses behind the things that already make the most money. And making those a priority is way better. Like you already have Fowler and Herb Street and and and, uh, and and Reese. Like you've already got three monsters covering the sport. Okay, you've got the three most important voices in the sport covering the sport that that are the faces of college football more than any other. But when they had that just slew of cuts years ago. So many of those were college writers. Oh, they lost all their news the guys. Yeah. Yeah, that, that actually get them news. And Pete will get you news. Well, and, and he brings instant credibility, right? I think the, the biggest names that they've really got as far as breaking news are what? Uh, Adam Rittenberg and uh, what? Heather Dinich, maybe? Um, I, don't, you know. I don't know. The, I, don't, I couldn't tell you I know any of the guys' names of ESPN. But it's, that, that actually break the news. Yeah, but that's the thing. The the biggest media people involved with ESPN, uh, you can't really name them, right? The people that you can name are at Yahoo and Fox and The Athletic and, you know, so forth and so on. Uh, they're spread out everywhere else because ESPN didn't think it was important enough. Maybe this move kind of signals that they are uh, looking to reprioritize. And I think I think that could be good for the sport. Yeah, so. yeah we do. I wonder. I wonder how much TV time they'll get Pete. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. So. I, I hope they let him uh, continue doing a podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, that's well. And that's the other thing is, is do we do we lose the college football inquirer? I, I so, would imagine SI, SI was good enough to to let let that stay on. Yeah, which was awesome, and and I was extremely glad for. But oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if ESPN's willing to play nice or not. I will see. We'll see. If if nothing else, we might just get what's uh, old to forty back. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens with it. All right, let me uh, let me go on and. You know what? I'll let you go, and then I'll uh, I'll wrap up the show. So that sound good. All right, brother. All right, be yep. good, brother. Yep. All right. So that wraps up winning cures everything for today. Of course, this was the Friday, January fourteenth edition of the show. We certainly appreciate you all. Appreciate you all for being here. Uh, another fantastic week. More news coming next week. We're going to talk about all kinds of different things in the uh, as Josh Pate would say, off season. Uh, there isn't really an offseason. We talk about this sport year-round, so continue to stay with us. Of course, we had monster numbers this college football year. It was awesome. Awesome. You guys made that happen, and we certainly appreciate it. I'm going to tell you at the end of every show, you guys are the reason why we do this. We enjoy talking about sports and whatnot, uh, but we we put it on camera. We put it on audio, etc. for you guys. We enjoy the sport. We feel like we have something to say about it. Uh, and the fact that you guys listen uh, means the world to us. So go over to winningcureseverything.com. You can find everything you need to know about us over there. Make sure that you are subscribed everywhere you need to subscribe. Leave a nice five-star review. That certainly helps us out for sure. Uh, if you do have any questions or comments or whatever, anything that you would like for us to talk about on the show, you can always do that in the comments section on YouTube or just email us, uh, Gary at winningcureseverything.com, Chris at winningcureseverything.com, or you can just hit us up on Twitter, at GaryWCE, at ChrisBGNNE. One or the other, very easy to do. The show, of course, brought to you by BetUS. It's where the game begins. America's premier online sports book. You can find it over at BetUS.com. Very easy to do. A lot of great deals, a lot of great bonuses and whatnot that you can sign up for right now. So, NFL playoffs coming up. A lot to bet on. And, of course, college basketball season. All that good stuff. Lots of stuff happening. Uh, I host the college football show for BetUS. There's a link in the description for that. You can click that, subscribe. Make sure that you knock that out. I am on every Wednesday afternoon. So go ahead and check out the BetUS college football show. With that said, we are going to get out of here. You guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. 
Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.